1: episode 88 of losing a child always Andy's mom I'm Marcy Larson Andy's mom today's guest is Easton's mom Alexandria and she says that her son Easton saved her life not once but twice the first time he saved her life was actually just by being born even though he had to be born a few weeks early Alexandria had significant complications from her pregnancy and was actually in liver failure before being able to give birth to young little Easton. And then Easton taught her so much about love and unconditional love between a mother and a son and between people in general. Experiencing this type of love changed her life forever. She says that in this way, Easton saved her life a second time, even though he only lived four and a half short months. Before we get to the interview with Easton's mom, I do want to talk one more time about the listenable series, How Do I Grieve, that I released just a couple of weeks ago now. Immediately following this short introduction, i am going to play the introductory lesson for that listenable series it's just four and a half minutes so it's not too long but it can give you an idea of what that course is actually like now know that this course on grief is not specifically for grieving parents this is just for grieving people in general so if you know someone that you think may benefit from the course feel free to either take this code for yourself or give it to other people. If you go to my website, andysmom.com listenable, you will be able to get a 30% discount on the normal rate of $5 per month. Now, again, you can also sign up for a free seven-day trial if you really just want to listen to the course that I do. If you use that listenable link through Andy'smom.com, I also get 30% given back to the Always Andy's Mom podcast, which I can uh, use just to help the podcast grow and expand and to help grieving families. So I hope you do listen and appreciate the short little introductory lesson on Listenable. Welcome to the course, How do I Grieve on Listenable. This is Lesson One, the Introduction. When looking up the definition of grief, it is defined as a deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. I titled this course, How Do I Grieve? But the answer to that question is really different for absolutely everyone. Grieving is a very personal process. But there are definitely ways that you don't want to grieve, and that might be even more important to talk about in this series. My name is Marcy Larson. I am a pediatrician, and I have a podcast called Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom, that I started after the death of my middle son, Andy. My first encounter with grief was when I was a teenager myself, when my grandmother died. Over the next two years, my parents each were diagnosed with cancer when I was in high school. And by the time I was in college, my mother had passed away from breast cancer. That was my first real experience with deep, profound grief. And I really thought that I sort of understood it. And I understood what grief meant and how to really get through grief. But I was completely wrong. On August 15th of 2018, my family and I were on our way to a baseball game in our minivan when we were struck from behind and my son Andy was killed instantly. Nothing really could have ever prepared me for that loss. My emotions were everywhere and I really felt like I was losing my mind I had to leave my job as a general pediatrician when I had tried to go back in the weeks after Andy's death. I just found it too difficult to take care of whole families and well-healthy children. So I really took a step back, focused on myself and my broken little family and worked on grief and trying to understand the grieving process. I joined a grief support group with my family quite early on in our journey and started learning from other grieving parents. It is really amazing what we can learn from each other. Almost a year after Andy's death, I started my own podcast. On that podcast, I primarily talk to other grieving parents and learn from them after speaking to hundreds of parents now, I really feel like I have learned a tremendous amount and want to share it with as many people as I can. So that's what really encouraged me to teach this course. I know that in those first days and weeks after the death of someone that you lose who is so close to you, you really just feel like everything is out of control, like you're going crazy, uh, and you have no idea what to do and how to move forward. This course focuses on that moving and making sure that you don't stay stuck in one spot for too long. As a grieving parent, that was really one of my biggest fears, is that I would be stuck and I wouldn't ever have hope for the future. So every day, I just focus on moving. I know that some days I move forward. Other days I move backwards. And some days I'm just going side to side. But I feel like as long as I keep moving, keep trying, keep focusing on rekindling some of that hope and healing, then the future doesn't always look so dark. So I encourage you today to join with me on this journey where we talk about different emotions of grief and things that you can do and ways that you can help yourself and help other people as they move through the grief journey. Thank you so much, Alexandra, for agreeing to come on the show today. I really look forward to talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you start out and
2: just tell us about your amazing son, Easton? Oh, my gosh. Well, Easton came into my life a little unexpectedly. He was not planned, but that's normally how mm-hmm. the best ones come about, right? Yes, those you can know, be the best surprises, expect- right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. He was born six weeks early mm-hmm. with some crazy things leading up towards it. But that little man of mine, so incredibly strong, mm-hmm. definitely had my sassy attitude. Yeah. Poor him. <laughs> <laughs> so incredibly strong after every aspect that he went through in his four and a half months of life and mm-hmm. just precious would light up the room all the nurses would fight over him yes there was a daytime nurse that she would not share and there was also a nighttime nurse and she would not share either so oh. <laughs> he yeah, was that's loved love special
1: that just yes. shows that you're it's a special little guy and a special family <laughs> a special mama too So why don't we start out by even talking about that pregnancy? Because I think his story really begins before he was born. Yes. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So why don't you start Um, out with that? Sure. So it might be hard for others to hear because talk about some kind of touchy subjects here.
1: Yep. Well, that's okay. That's okay.
2: I fell in love at a really young age. Mm Mm-hmm. And this man swept me off my feet. It was my my first boyfriend, you know, of course, and then led to engagement. And I knew somehow things weren't just adding up, but that Mm -hmm. they should. And what I mean by that is constant arguments. Mm -hmm. I've always been a really strong, independent woman. So when things were going south i would be the one to say oh no i'll fix it it's something i did i'll make it better Mm -hmm. i don't know if that was just has always been my motherly instinct maybe Mm -hmm. to try and fix things unfortunately things never got better Mm -hmm. i kept hoping and wishing i did marry this man thinking once again that That would fix the situation yeah, I can fix it. I can change him. And then you got pregnant. And, and then I'm sure you, you thought, Oh, when we're a little family, it'll all be better. Yes. Everything will be perfect. Was seeing my regular doctor who had been my family doctor since I was born. Wow. Let's see, I got pregnant when I was like twenty-two. Mm-hmm. So this doctor had known me for twenty-two years. My blood pressure has always been super high. Okay. With this pregnancy, I got sick right away. The nausea kicked in, which people kept telling me, oh, you know, once you're out of your first trimester, it'll get better. It'll get better. It never got better. I've always been a bigger woman. So mm-hmm. as I was not able to keep down any food throughout the entire pregnancy, I ended up losing a total of 40 pounds. Wow. Mm -hmm. which I wasn't necessarily (laughs) upset by, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but doctor thought a little differently. There were other things that were going on with the pregnancy. My blood pressure actually came down normal, Mm -hmm. which I had to think was part of me losing weight. Okay. And then- I would just have severe rashes all over me where I I couldn't have any article of clothing on me. The only thing that would soothe my skin would be going in like the hottest bath you can think of. Oh, wow. And going to my doctor, I just, you know, telling him I can't keep anything down. Nothing. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Water, maybe a banana. Yeah. Nothing. And he just kept playing it off as just part of pregnancy. You just got to deal with it. Never running any kind of labs, mm-hmm. and you know, looking at it now, I'm thinking in my head, why didn't you send me mm-hmm. to an OB doctor? Yeah. Because this, none of this is normal. Mm-hmm. Of course, I believed him. You know, he was my doctor. Well, for, you were young for so long. You're young exactly. too, and this
1: your first yeah. pregnancy, and you haven't done this before. And absolutely, yeah, you don't know. You don't know. So you just have to no. trust people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about what happened there
2: before, before delivery. Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. So it was my baby shower Uh and I was staying with my mother as I did often to try and escape from my then husband because the abuse was constant. So I was up at my parents' house often and they took such good care of me. Mm-hmm. So it was after my baby shower, I got really, really ill. Once again, just thinking that it was the flu. My mother took really good care of me. She convinced me after after a couple of days to get me into the emergency room. I had the most severe upper abdominal pain I have ever felt in my entire life. Honestly, I was not going to go in. My mother was literally dragging me in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I get to the local hospital, which is really small. And they rush me down to OB. They start giving me pain meds right away, which is not really common considering I'm still pregnant. Mm -hmm. They drew a bunch of labs. At this point, my uh, family doctor was called in. Mm -hmm. They ran a bunch of different panels from my blood. The ones that really stuck out were going to be my liver levels. Luckily, my mom knew this other GI doctor. I gave permission for him to look into my records. He told my mom, get her out of there and get her to a higher care. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened is they sent me up to Duluth. Once there that I was just kind of sitting in limbo, still trying to figure out what was going on. They knew that those levels were still increasing. But they didn't know why. Ended up being a total snowstorm. Um, The docs come in and say, we need to lifelight you out of here. But no one's flying. No one's driving. Right. Two amazing, amazing paramedics, who I wish I would have gotten their names, came in on their day off and drove me down to Minneapolis. Wow. Yes. It took about six and a half hours because of the snowstorm.
1: Wow. And it should be less than half that, right?
2: I mean. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's what I. So these amazing, amazing paramedics came in and I owe them a good part of my life because they were brave enough to take this sick pregnant lady down to Minneapolis to get higher care. Once I made it down to the U of M. They put me on the transplant list for liver. My levels kept skyrocketing. And I'm only getting bits and pieces because they do have me so medicated because I am in so much pain. Right.
1: Because you have a dying liver inside of you. Mm -hmm. And how is Easton doing at this point? Because you're 34 weeks pregnant.
2: He's doing good. He had ultrasounds throughout my entire pregnancy. Everything looked spot on. His growth was normal. His heart was beautiful. Lungs, everything was growing at the rate that it should, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was so good to hear as a first-time mother. Yeah. I was super petrified of having a C-section, which is what it came down to because it came down to my life or Easton's life. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and only only and it wasn't
1: really that because Easton was 34 weeks and thought to be a healthy kid. So Correct. and 34 week babies do okay. Certainly it's a NICU stay, but it was to save right. mama's life, we have to get Easton here earlier than we would have liked, right?
2: Um, yes. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yep. Yes. So, so they did a
1: C section and yeah. little Easton
2: arrived. And but yes, everything
1: Ma- was not perfect.
2: No, everything was not perfect. Luckily I woke up, my liver levels were trending down. Thank you, Easton. He literally saved, literally saved my life by coming into this world. My liver levels were still high, but trending down. Mm -hmm. So I wake up and the nurses kind of have a stern, concerned face. They, they approached me real gently to let me know that they think that Houston has Down syndrome. And this was a total shock to me. Having a Down syndrome child is a blessing. They bring so much joy, so much light. But it was not what I expected. No. You know, I had no preparation of this. On top of that, his poor little heart had a hole in it. Something they told me was called Tetralogy of Fallot. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. So they, you know, they broke it down for me, just pretty much stating he has a hole in his heart. Right, right.
1: (laughs) But there are kind of a few things that go along with Tetralogy of Fallot, but yes. Mm -hmm.
2: So he gets over to NICU and I go over back, you know, into recovery. I, I feel kind of selfish and bad stating that I had to then grieve the life I thought I was going to have with my son. Right. Mm-hmm. Because my world got flipped upside down. Yes. Because you don't have a healthy, happy baby
1: that's going to be going home with you in two weeks. You exactly. have a baby that is going to have struggles and certainly mm-hmm. whose life is going to start out really rough just because of cardiac things. So yeah, Absolutely. You, you have lost, that is definitely a grief, something that you've lost. You are now yeah. a mother to a special needs child.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. And that's entirely what- different. Yeah. Yes. So he was with my favorite nurse of his. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, she, she felt terrible, but when she was changing little Easton's diaper, she found some blood in his stool, which then led to more problems. Yeah. So come to find out that half of his bowels were dead and that it was going to require a couple of other surgeries. Mm ileostomy bag and before that they can let the bad part get cut out and then try and reattach it yeah later it's a long process and it's tough it's tough
1: so anyway you're starting on this what you thought was this long long journey but then talk about then your life with him because you had some fun times with him though too didn't you in all of this
2: Oh my goodness. Did we ever, he always brought joy to me. Like I said, he always had my little sass. As you saw in one of the pictures, he's kind of given that look at the camera, like really mom, another picture. Mm -hmm. There's some cute pictures. You all are going to have to go on the website and see the pictures. It was a blessing Mm -hmm. to have him, even with all the struggles, not knowing if he's going to be able to hear or see. Mm -hmm. That little man made my life worth living without his house.
1: That's awesome.
2: He was in um, the children's hospital for about four months. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I stayed at the Ronald McDonald house. They are such an amazing organization and foundation. I can't speak highly enough about them without them. I don't know what I would have done.
1: It just makes it so you have a little home to come to at the end of the day.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because my home from Minneapolis would have been a good six hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that I could drive back and forth. No, no. There's just no way. Yeah. So did he go out of the hospital for a little while then? Yes. Every day during rounds, it was always... Me kind of sitting there listening. Question was always, when can I take my little man home? You know, he hasn't met a lot of my family. The day finally came that I was able to take him home. And it was so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, The hospital was fantastic. I was able to bring him home and I had him home for about two weeks with the intent that he had to come back and have open heart surgery. Right. That was what his care team said. They said, you can go home with him for a couple of weeks, but he's yeah. got to come back and have that heart surgery. Right.
1: He just had to get a little bigger first. So absolutely a little bigger
2: at home. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely said, you got it. Yes. Whatever you need. <laughs> Even if I can take him home for one day, I'll be back. I promise.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> so you had two wonderful
2: weeks at home. I did. And you had a fun 4th of July at home. Oh my gosh. It was so fantastic. Uh Uh, We went for so many walks together. And that day, the 4th of July, I took him to the parade. And even though I'm not sure how much he could see or hear, you could just kind of feel that he was comfortable and and at peace and enjoying it, which was fantastic. So I was around family and he was around family. So we got to enjoy that. We went to the baseball game that happens and then we went home just in time to go back on out for the fireworks, which he and I sat in this little park, just him and I Watching those fireworks. Mm -hmm. And it was something I will never forget. That is a real
1: blessing that you have that. Yeah. We had uh, fireworks. We watched fireworks from our boat about it was 10 or 11, I think 11 days before Andy died. And Mm -hmm. I remember just cherishing that and thinking to myself, (sighs) appreciate this moment remember this moment because this is a beautiful moment and little did i know that my family would be broken in less than two weeks that andy would be gone but it was such a blessing to have and and that's why i think i wanted you to tell that fourth of july story because of what happened the next day
2: Mm -hmm. yes went to bed fourth of july And we were going to do a softball tournament the next day. So grandma was going to watch little one. But that was until later into the day. So he and I decided we're going to take a little nap. And he had his favorite swing which he is in with those sunglasses. Yeah. In one Cute of the pictures, pictures. that I mm-hmm. sent you, mm-hmm. he adored that swing. That is what would calm him down. That is what would put him to sleep. So naturally, I put him in his swing, mm-hmm. still attached to his IV pole, continuous feedings. And then whenever I wasn't directly with him, he would have a little SPO2 monitor attached to his foot right so we both went down for a little nap and i was then awoken by the spo2 monitor going off so i jumped off the couch really quickly go over to eason and <laughs> unfortunately i his lips were blue he was cold and i sprung into action so i i took Easton out of his swing, unhooked that G-tube, and started CPR immediately while (laughs) screaming at the top of my lungs for my then-husband to call 911.
0: Yeah.
2: So the paramedics arrive, and I had worked with them. Of course, they didn't really want want me to see what what was going on, even though I I know what was going to have to happen, and it went from me doing CPR to one of the other paramedics doing CPR. And we loaded into the ambulance immediately. I hopped in that front seat of the ambulance so quickly. And we, I don't even know how fast we went. So we get to the hospital and rush us into the trauma cardiac room and the team there sprung into action and started running a code on a four and a half month old little baby. And I'm just sitting in the corner (laughs) <laughs> and i had called my mom and my dad right away and you know told them he's not breathing and so they came in thankfully cuz i really needed that support right they the code team probably worked on my little man for oh gosh probably close to 90 minutes wow before coming over to me and talking to me saying do you want us to keep going we don't have a heartbeat, yeah. but we can keep going if you would like.
1: I have such mixed emotions on whether that's the right thing to do. I right. feel like it puts a lot on the parents to say, yeah. to make that decision. I just, I think that's a lot to do to a parent instead of just saying, I'm so sorry we were unable to save your son. And st- yeah. instead you're saying we could keep trying. He, it's probably won't do any good, but you have to decide. I'm like that's a right. lot. Right. I don't know. I don't know because yeah. it's hard to make the decision, but it's also, I mean, it was incredibly hard to have somebody tell me that. I mean, I was told that on the side of the road and I was just kind of like, what? You've stopped? What? Um, right. So it's it's a little bit, I can I can see both sides, but I do feel like as a parent who's gone through it, gosh, that's a lot to put on a parent. Right. 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 For you to have to make that decision to
2: quit. his. Poor body had gone through so many surgeries in Minneapolis and
1: yeah, with his gut surgeries and yeah, waiting to yes. try to get him to grow for the heart surgery. And yes, he just and had a
2: lot, he had a lot, on. he had a lot going on. And unfortunately, they weren't able to save mm-hmm. my precious baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they put me in a recliner with a nice warm blanket. <laughs> And put him in my arms and we just kind of rocked in that rocking chair. It was nice and dark, you know, just kind of talking to him and rubbing his head and giving him kisses and telling him how much I love him. Mm
1: -hmm. And this is a strange hospital, I'm assuming. This is not back in Minneapolis,
2: is it? No, oh, this, this is, is actually a... b- back um, at the very first hospital. That's where what my I was thinking. So it's started at a little yeah. hospital
1: too. So it's not even the yeah. one that you're like familiar with, with the team that you're familiar with, or anything. yeah, right.
2: So they had called in a priest because we had not yet been able to get him baptized. So they they did that for us while I was holding him, and okay. and then uh, and then it was time for everyone else to kind of say goodbye, you know. And I then let the hospital take over from there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: What I really found so intriguing about your story, though, is how you talked about how this little man, your little man, taught you so much about yourself <sighs> and has so changed your life. And yes. I just thought it was really amazing so i i would love if you were to talk about that now
2: as i kind of talked about i was in a very bad relationship Mm -hmm. it was verbal abuse Mm -hmm. it was physical abuse Mm -hmm. and i was with my then husband for close to six years Mm -hmm. so it, it had been going on for a long time and i had been essentially hiding it. Yeah. I've always been clumsy. (laughs) So walking into walls and has always, that's nothing new. So I, I was always able to unfortunately use that as an excuse. Losing the one person that kept me alive pretty much kicked me in the rear and said, hey, it's time to wake up. You don't deserve this. You are stronger than this. And this is not something that your son would want for you.
1: Because you knew after Easton, you knew such a pure kind of love, right? Yes. You knew yes. that. You suddenly had experienced that amazing love between a mother and a son. And I don't know. I think it it changes you. You know, you talk to any new mom. Yeah. And that <laughs> changes you when you experience that kind of Absolutely. amazingness, really. I mean, I think about those moments holding my newborn children but yeah. then when you lost him, I think again, it just impacted you so tremendously.
2: Yes, not only did he save my life by coming into the world early, but he saved my life by me realizing that I had to get out of that relationship. I had to leave. I had to save myself again. I had, I had to get out. Otherwise, who knows what could have happened. So he taught me how to be even more strong stand up for myself, know what I deserve. And I got out of there. I got out of there so fast. And I know that if it weren't for the greatest blessing in my life leaving, I don't know where I would be today. I know that there's no way I would have let Easton be around that type of man. Right. But it got me out of there.
1: Like you said, it kicked you in the pants, right? I mean, yeah. Because you had brought Easton home with his dad and Mm -hmm. still I think a little bit of the mom in you wanted him to have a dad, wanted this to be a family, right? You still wanted that and you still had this little hope
2: that maybe it will be okay. I wanted him to step up and be a father, Mm -hmm. but it never was there. He was never there at the hospital, the doctors, the nurses, staff kept asking, you know, where he was and excuse after excuse after excuse. Yeah. It was literally just me and my precious little boy.
1: But what a blessing that was, really, because it gave you Absolutely. so much time to yourself. Which yeah. Over six years, you had not had, right? You had not no. had that kind of time to really devote to thinking about you. Right.
2: Only. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's such a sad horror horrible story obviously to have lost Easton and I think you're right I think you would have gotten to the point where someday he maybe would have done something that would have hurt Easton or you would have seen the look in Easton's eyes when his dad hurt you or something would have happened to make you go yeah this is not working we are we are not the family but the fact I mean Easton really was such a trigger to change your whole life and absolutely yeah It it's it's very mind-blowing to me what an amazing gift he really gave to you Easton oh Prince. he's
2: the biggest blessing Yeah, really yeah.
1: yeah so talk about your life a little bit now because now it's far different isn't it
2: it is totally different I got a divorce so that was a Very fantastic day. Mm -hmm. Some people say sorry. I felt like I needed a congratulations.
1: Well, it was a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh,
2: absolutely. I moved back to my hometown for a little bit, got my feet on the ground, ended up working as um, a patient access specialist. So checking in people, setting up appointments for the very hospital that my son passed away in. Okay. During this time, I met my now- fiance, soon to be husband. Yes. My life has never been better. Yeah. I met my fiance, Philip on our very first date. He showed up at my doorstep with the biggest bouquet of flowers I've ever seen. (laughs) Wow. And of course, going back in my head, I'm thinking, okay, what does he want? Just because I've never had that kind of real affection Ever. No one ever did that just because for you. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And honestly, he scared me for a little bit, but in a good way scared me because he showed me so much respect that I had never received before. We are getting married (laughs) June 6th and I cannot wait to marry this man Mm -hmm. and start a family of our own. Yeah. And how will that be?
1: I, you know, a lot of, I've talked to a lot of moms because you're a mom, you're still a mom. You've not been a mom for seven years uh, to a living child, but you've been a mom this whole time. I know I've had different people that, you know, when you have to kind of start over, how do you keep, keep Easton alive kind of in your new family and things like that? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. something that i struggle with and probably will struggle with until i have another child is mother's day is yes. i know i'm a mother yes but i don't feel like a mother if if that makes any sense of course it does
1: mm-hmm. because
2: he's he's always with me but he's not here physically with right me. he's never made you a mother's day card right no you had you no. had
1: one mother's day with him Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
2: And it was way too little to do a card. So <laughs> <laughs> going forward, I know I've talked with my fiance a lot. And even when I am pregnant, going to just constantly talk about your big brother, mm-hmm. your big brother Easton. And as our family grows, Easton's always going to be a part of the family. Mm-hmm. He's always going to be talked about. Mm -hmm. our future child will know your big brother is always with you always with you
1: yeah
2: show pictures tell stories yeah yeah and
1: such a a beautiful way to try to keep them their little spirits with you I know it was a relief to get get out of the marriage but still then you were grieving then alone too so that must have been difficult to not have a like a partner really to grieve with
2: it was extremely difficult I did go through a couple of therapists the first one wasn't a good fit yeah I would suggest if anyone has gone through therapy or is trying therapy and the first time just doesn't feel right don't stop don't stop keep going keep going till you find the right one for sure For sure.
1: I think I've told this story before, but after my mother died, I saw a counselor when I was at college, Mm -hmm. and, like, I really, truly felt worse every time I went to her. I'm sure she was quite a lovely lady for someone else, but for me, it just didn't work, you know? She wanted me to, like, draw my feelings, and I just really don't like drawing, and (laughs) I mean, I just we just didn't hit it off. And I was having obviously a really hard time. My mm-hmm. mother had passed away. My dad was moving on very quickly in a brand new relationship. I was feeling pretty abandoned. And mm-hmm. you need somebody that will work just for you. And it what ended up working for me was finding one of the pastors at the school where I went. And I think I needed that faith component for me. I I needed that. That that just resonated much much better with me than just drawing. Absolutely. Out things. So different people just need different things to be able to help them, and and then certainly like different activities can be helpful for you too. And some people do yoga and other types of kind of mindfulness things that can be really helpful. And yeah, I mean, there are there are many many things that you can turn to to try to get comfort during the, the hard times, but you are right. Don't just quit if one thing doesn't work and say, this doesn't work for me.
2: Absolutely. You just got to stick with it mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll find someone that works for you. I know between finding a therapist, finding my faith again, those are two things that really helped me get through. Yeah. Because I was struggling not only with contemplating going through a divorce, to going through a divorce, the PTSD of waking up and finding Easton not breathing, Yeah, to grief, to, I had a lot of issues going on. Yeah, you had a lot of baggage. You did. You (laughs) did. This wonderful therapist, she took it on and I actually plan on reaching out to her when it gets closer to starting a family again, because I know that I'm going to need to talk to someone. Yeah. And I think
1: that's really smart. I think that's smart to see that uh, ahead of time, to know that this will not be an easy thing. There will be a lot of worries, things that will just come up. It's just natural. When you lose one child, there is just more fear that this could happen again. And so for you going through pregnancy, you will want every little ultrasound done. And every time you feel sick or you feel something, you're going to be thinking, is this the, the, the day that everything goes wrong again, Right, like Absolutely. the day that everything went wrong uh, right after yeah. your, your baby shower, those fears are just so, so real. So that's yeah. good that you're thinking about it ahead of time.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually have already seen a high risk pregnancy doctor. He has my, my records and it was a, a good 900 pages. Yeah, I'm (laughs) sure that this doctor went through. And because I wanted to make sure that it was okay for me to have another child that my body wasn't going to shut down.
1: Right? Because I mean, that's what happened before. I don't think you ever said but you had help syndrome is the name of it. yes, And and so that that's what happened. It's very rare, but very, very serious. And obviously, lots of times, women can die with help syndrome. So that would be scary. So I'm glad you kind of did that ahead of time too so you yeah and you were having a lot of foresight
2: he gave me the go-ahead he said he's gonna watch me like a hawk and I am all for it yeah all for it yeah
1: well and now you've got such a good partner with it too I do so, so that's yes I do want to yes. step back one one thing too with the therapist sure. how we said yes yeah. Do not stick with somebody that, that is not working for you. But I want to put a caveat on that because with I see a lot of teenagers and they all tell me that they don't like their therapist after the first time <laughs> they see them. And so I have now made all of them promise to go six times. So you go six times because that gives you some time to develop a relationship, to develop some rapport. So don't go once yep. or twice and say, this therapist is crazy. I don't like him or her and cut ties and see a new therapist every two to three weeks. So I thought I need to I need to put a little disclaimer on that that you don't just jump around, but that that if you've given someone a fair shake.
2: Absolutely.
1: uh, And my magic number is six, then And six times are not good for you. Then I will give you permission to seek someone else out. So that's that's the advice I would give on uh, the show here as well. So
2: I love it. That's great. That's good advice.
1: So what else do you want to tell the audience that you feel like you've learned or things that have helped or things that have not helped along your seven year now grief journey?
2: Don't be afraid to speak about your child. I think that's, that's one one of my biggest fears is that someday someone's not going to talk about Easton. Someone's not going to say his name and his name and his story deserves to be screamed from the top of a mountain. Don't ever feel like you shouldn't talk about your story and what you've gone through because it may just help someone.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell a couple little stories now. So the the episode that y'all would have listened to last week, I recorded the day before Andy's birthday. And so now this one I'm recording two days after Andy's birthday. And I'm just going to share what happened a little bit on Andy's birthday, because obviously I would say from three days, two days before Andy's birthday to the day after Andy's birthday, I felt like I cried so much. Like I had not cried that much in a long time. The tears were just there. I was just crying. I was super emotional. Um, and I was going to meet my friend Stephanie for lunch. That was like my first thing I was going to do. So I, I met her for lunch. She was running a little bit late. I get to the restaurant. I sit down. And a woman comes in after me. And she goes to check in. Or, or we think she's going to check in. And a, and a host goes up to say how many and to get her a table. And she said, oh, no, I'm not here for a table. I'm here to pick up an order for Andy. Oh my goodness. And I thought, of course you are. Of course you are here to pick up an order mm-hmm. for Andy today.
2: Absolutely. So anyway, I
1: told my friend Stephanie and, and we and she again said, "Of course she was." I mean, it's just it just worked out that way. And because I turned and I quickly looked at her and then of course the the calendar was right behind her that said today is Wednesday, April 21st, and you know, his birthday. Um And then right after that, I go to pick up my other son from school because I'm picking up from the carpool. And the car right in front of me has a sticker in the back window that says, in loving memory of my son, and then it gave his birth date, his death date, and his name. And then underneath that, it said heroin kills. And I have never seen that. I have been picking up at that school all year. I wow. pick up every almost every day, and I've never seen that car in front of me. So I got out of that car, and I went up to the woman, and I said, I just saw your sticker in the back window, and today should have been my son's 17th birthday. Oh and gosh. I just wanted to tell you that that note made me feel not so alone today. Oh, And she said, I am so glad that you told me that. And no, you are not alone. Not today. Not any day. No. So that happened. And then we get to the evening. And I am upstairs. And I get a text from Andy's best friend's mother. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that she had always had Andy's birthday in her calendar. So it comes up every year, Andy's birthday. When he was alive, obviously came up. And it's still coming up. And she yeah. said, I was just thinking about Andy. It came up on my calendar. And then she said, a little bit later, she said, Yoni came home. Do you mind if we come over? And I have not seen Yoni since Andy died. And, and I said yes, so that they could come over. And I said, I think you should come have birthday cake. Because Andy loved birthday cake. He loved, we have this place called Nothing Bunt Cakes here that they sell these amazing lemon bundt cakes and he loved the lemon bun cake and two of my friends brought me lemon bun cakes for Andy's birthday. So I had two birthday cakes. And so Yoni and his mom came over and Yoni ate birthday cake and I got to give him a hug and pretend for just a little bit of a second that he was my Andy. And he's taller than me now. And it was kind of crazy. And he told stories about Andy and he talked about Andy and how much he missed Andy. And it meant so much to me because, you know, some days it just feels like I'm the only one that remembers him. Like my little family and I are the only ones that really miss Andy and no one else does. And to have his best friend come and just let me know how much he still missed andy was pretty amazing and and what a gift that really was so Absolutely. you are right in that we just don't want them forgotten never and, and we want to be able to talk about them and you know you can talk about easton and i know you have you know, a different husband, obviously, so it's not Easton's daddy, but it sounds like he's a pretty amazing man who probably loves to let you talk
2: about Easton
1: and wishes he could have met
2: Easton. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, One thing super, super special is that he had told me one day that he said that I would have adopted Easton. Easton Mm -hmm. would have been my son too. And that was one of the most unexpected, but most beautiful things I've, I've ever heard. And it was just,
1: yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that is so special because he never knew Easton, but he loves him still, doesn't he? Yes. Because you have done such an amazing job of keeping Easton's memory alive and keeping his little spirit alive that someone that you love dearly loves him too, even though he never got to meet him yes mm-hmm. oh, well it's beautiful the things that we can try to do to keep our right little, little kiddos alive <laughs> mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing easton with us today is there anything else you feel like you wanted to add
2: if you don't feel like you're getting the right proper medical care try right. and speak out speak up yeah. That's
1: hard to do too, but you are right. You are hundred percent right.
2: Yeah. You have to
1: be your own advocate, whether it's for yourself or for your child.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Know that you always deserve a wonderful partner and know that your child is always with you. Always. Yeah. And will never, ever be forgotten. Well, thank
1: you so much, Alexandra.
2: I really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy@andy'smom.com. at Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.